Why do you always use minor keys when you're messing around? Because I'm destined to be a metalhead, Mother. back once again to another edition of the Get Real Podcast. I'm non-pastor Dan. And this is unpasteurized, depasteurized. Very thankful, Glenn. <laughs> it's kind of exciting. A lot's going on in this crazy world. It's absolutely insane. And here we are. This is our Black Friday edition. This is an extra edition for our listeners for something to listen to while they're out doing some uh, Christmas shopping on Black Friday. Yeah, elbow somebody to grab a big screen TV. That's what the, <laughs> that's what the holidays are all about. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's really it always amazes me how we always express great thankfulness on Thanksgiving, and then the next day we have to run out to get more. Well, you know what it is. What is it? It's the tryptophan. It's <laughs> you OD on that stuff. You take a nap, but then you get really mean. Now there's a lot going on. The, the world is crazy. It, things are getting just like the scripture says. It's starting to wax so that evil is called good and good is called evil. I see it everywhere that I'm around. So something that was supposed to be good, a season of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's a great holiday. I love it. I'm sorry to it. the people in England. You know, they, they don't have it. I mean, nobody has it except for us. It's an American holiday. They do have a Canadian Thanksgiving, though. Really? Yes, they're, that, that is that. on our... Colu- can I say Columbus Day anymore? Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, But yeah, that's, that's, on our, <laughs> <laughs> that's on our Columbus Day. One of the things that I really do like about this season, though, is Christmas music. Yeah, you always have. I have. Now, I have to be honest. I Even when I was a kid, before I was saved and, and really knew the Lord, I really didn't like like Pretty Paper and Pretty Ribbons, those songs. And even if you ask my mom and sister, they'd be like, yeah, Glenn didn't like those songs. I like the meaty ones, you know, like uh, Angels We Have Heard on High and A Little Town of Bethlehem and O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Did you understand lyrically? Or how you, it was the music, it, the lyrics, it was both? What it was it? It moved me. Huh. Okay, it moved me. I wanted to hear about Jesus. I wanted to hear about I wanted to hear about that. That's what I wanted to hear about. Now, don't get me wrong, I love Christmas presents at the Christmas season. I do. But I really like that. I like going to church. I was trying to connect. I think that's that's really what I was trying to do. <clears throat> and I remember sitting in the uh in the kitchen of my mom and dad's home. They had a radio that was on top of the refrigerator. And I would record the Christmas music off of there as well. I found all sorts of different ways to record music, you know, mm-hmm. you know back then. Yeah, back in the 80s. Back in the 80s with my analog uh, boom box and their boom box and trying to, trying to do that. But I like it even more now when we can find heavy metal Christmas albums. And I've got one on display here that I'm going to recommend to everybody. It came out last year. Tarya, the first lead singer for Nightwish, came out with an album last year. Uh, called From Spirits and Ghosts. Hmm. And I picked it up. I thought, oh, this is going to be really, really good. And I was totally, totally blown away by it. Uh, The first song on it is one of my favorites, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Love that song. But she also does Amazing Grace, which is probably the best rendition. Now, of course, I love Tarya, and I love love symphonic metal. You're a metalhead. I'm a metalhead. But... The rendition of Amazing Grace just completely blows my mind because she repeats, the one reverse that she repeats at the end was, I was blind, but now 
I see. Perhaps that was personal to her for some reason. It it seems that way. You know what's amazing, and I think you'll probably agree with me, there's a lot of times when I hear a song that'll be a sacred work, a sacred song that has been appreciated by people within Christendom, you know, for generations. But somebody, because I don't know where she stands, I don't know where she is, Mm -hmm. you know, personally before God, but it's like, I've noticed that a lot of people that seem to be on the outside of orthodoxy when they express the things of God through a song, like a stone crying out, if right. they don't know God, like you know, <laughs> sometimes it seems to reverberate with a greater majesty in a really weird way. There's, I, I think sometimes within church, we can get so just, oh, you know, what becomes sacred almost becomes common. Mm-hmm. What do they say? Um, the familiarity leads to contempt right. or, or something. And I hate saying that, but we go in and we sing songs and we go and we hear preaching. We do this, we do that. We get to talk and talk and talk. And then before long, it becomes somewhat muted. And then you find somebody that's out there in the world. They're dealing with everything. They're dealing with being alone in the cosmos. They're dealing with all the questions of life. And then something touches them beyond where they can even relate about Oh Holy Night. That's my favorite Christmas song. Oh, I love that song. I don't know if I can get through it without tears. It moves me. And it's it's it moves me on that depth of level that does eclipse all the materialism. It eclipses a large screen TV or a new guitar or you know, anything does. like that. It does. And it, it, it's just so moving. So I know you used to mention that who was it? Stevie Nicks sings one of your oh, favorite. Oh, let's go Silent back to Night. yes. When we were when we had the radio show, we would talk about this. This was seventeen years ago. We would talk about this. Yeah. How Stevie Nicks and we know. I think we played it. I, play? I think we did because think, we we could because we had ASCAP licensing <laughs> licensing then yeah, because we were on now, a radio we station. Anything. We don't have that <laughs> we have now. A bag of Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but everybody knows she's a witch. Okay, she's a practicing Wiccan, and that's that's fine if that's what she wants to believe. And I'm not going to condemn her for that. I pray for her soul. Yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. But that rendition of Silent Night that she did. When, and this was even before I was saved, moved me. And I remember uh, we, it was the radio in the kitchen on top of the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And that would come on, and I, come on. And I remember talking to my mom and dad saying, that is the best rendition I have ever heard. And still, Stevie Nicks' Silent Night, if you have not heard it with the miracle of computer, there is no reason why you shouldn't, shouldn't hear it. Highly, highly recommend it. Because I really think when she did it, there was something, something moving in there. Well, you, you got to understand that even people that practice the occult and they're dealing with things and entities that are created beings mm-hmm. and they are deceived and they don't know. But let me tell you, when it comes to that incarnate God in flesh baby in that manger, even demons pop to and salute. Yeah, you they do. understand. Yeah. So those people that are bound by the, these powers and they're walking around there is something that's going to be even within the blasphemy even within the all the rebellion that's tied up in satanism and witchcraft and so forth they know and they tremble the scripture says so you know sometimes they pop to attention i believe it and it moves these people and somehow stevie or any of these other people they know that they're dealing with something of great reverence and great power even if their rebellious desire were to be blasphemous it doesn't matter because god trumps all of it you know it does and and again here is my take on those that are into the occult and those that are into witchcraft i believe that they have a very strong spiritual antenna that god put in them but the antenna is just bent in the wrong direction. Yeah. And 
it's our prayer. It's Dan and I's prayer. Man, we love you all. If you practice the occult, if you're into witchcraft, we love you. We're not going to throw stones at you. We're not going to start a Salem witch trial. And I mean, that was horrible. Yeah, what no happened? way. No, no. We love you and we're, we pray for you. And man, we'd love you to reach out to us if if you want to talk to us or even if you disagree with us or want to bring up your point of view. Because guess what? It's your point of view. We've got freedom of speech in this country and... For a little while. For a little while, at least. <laughs> and and truth truth always prevails. Yeah. It, it really does. But being Thanksgiving, Black Friday, everything like that, there's something I'm really thankful for is we've got a very special person on yeah, Skype do. with us today, a brother in the Lord who has the same heart cry that we do, and that is Brother Stacy from Revelation Resistance. Stacy, how are you today? Doing good, Glenn. Man, it's so good to have you on. Um, um, I apologize that you have to look at Dan and I usually. <laughs> <laughs> definitely a, a face for radio. Definitely, definitely a face for radio. And in a few moments after Dan and I get through some some stuff here, we've got we're going to interview Stacy to find out about his ministry. His ministry ministers to me, and that's why we have him today. I listen to his podcast, Revelation Resistance. I listen to it while I'm working. I've got the computer in my office. I have it on. Uh, it ministers to me. The other night, I got to tell you, Dan, Stacy, I got to tell you, uh, there was some stuff personally that I was going through, and you you had the um, podcast about the fear of man. And I just happened to tune in it because you sent me a text. It's like, hey, I mentioned Get Real, and it's like, okay, cool. I want to listen to that. But um, it did more than that because the word that you had, Stacy, that night, for me, was exactly, exactly what I needed. So thank you for that. Praise the Lord. Thank Praise you Lord. very much. So, Dan, I would like to go back to just a few weeks ago when we did our Rocktober oh, yeah. edition. And we talked about our hero, one of our heroes in the faith, Martin Luther. Yes. Martin Luther. Been doing a lot of thinking, been doing some more research since we, since we did that. Um, and really for our listeners, if you have not listened to our Rocktober Reformation edition yet, Please go back and listen to it because I think that edition really kind of pinpoints where we're coming from. And if you really want to know why do Dan and Glenn do this, well, it's not because we're making bank doing this at all. It's because we have a heart cry. And it's really what we want to see is we want to see people saved. And Stacy, talking to you and listening, that's, that's, your, that's your, your hope as well. Yes, it is. And that, that's why we do this. That's why we put ourselves out there. That's why we're vulnerable. That's why there was a Protestant, God started a Protestant Reformation through Martin Luther. And really, the bottom line is this when you talk about Reformation, it's about souls being saved. Yep. And it's about salvation by grace through faith alone. Yeah. That's it. That is. It's not that I have to do all these good works to please God. I can never do enough you know, to please it, God. It's such a subtlety that works can creep back in. And creep um, works and also kind of a pharisaical dry judgment of people creeps into the church. And that's why we joke around about being, both of us were pastors we in were. the past. And I'm unpastor and non-pastor and, and all the different things. Very That's about five podcasts worth of information in history. But it'll <laughs> gradually 
creep back in. I look back and I'm horrified at how I used to judge people. Yes. I'm horrified that if God was moving upon different people and I didn't see it because I was judging simply because of, uh, according to the outward, right? according to the outward man and all these things. And now I see these people that are completely lost. They possibly, and and we have a lot of different countries that listen to this podcast. So if you're in Europe, you're in all sorts of different... We just made our way into Finland this week. Oh, excellent. Well, there's a lot of places, especially in Europe, that had all these convulsions, religious wars, and all these different things that happened. Then now they've adopted a very dry, secular society, pretty much based off of what they consider to be the hypocrisy of religion and those wonderful tenets of the faith, like being, being just being saved, being able to know God, being able to have forgiveness of sins and really walk and talk with God. That whole concept seems like a joke to most mm-hmm. people. And we don't mind if that's where you're coming from. We want you to be in that position to be able to go like, well, this is crazy. You mean that God can really interact with me and y'all are serious about this? And that openness, and I think all three of us would probably see that especially in what I would call passionate music, Mm -hmm. heavy metal included, a lot of people are very fervent about knowing truth. Yes. And and that desire, I believe God will meet you there, okay, wherever you're at. You have to clean yourself up or do all some sort of ritual. So God, God, you're his creation, and if you have this curiosity, he probably put it in your heart anyway. So that's that's exciting when I hear you. I, I do think that kind of defined where we were coming that, from. That that was our define. You know, we we were kind of hitting upon a few things before we got to that one. Of course, when you get to the month of October, because Dan and I we we love Martin Luther, we we just couldn't resist. And you know what? I did get a I did get a message back from Italy, Italy from S ninety one band, oh, awesome. and he listened to. The uh, podcast, and he said, very profound and very funny. So I know he was talking about the content and not our looks no, because which, he has which, not seen us who's yet. Who's profound and who's funny? <laughs> like, I need to know. <laughs> no, that, that's awesome. Great music, great subject matter. That was, uh, that was good stuff. Yeah. Um, we talk like this on the phone, by the way. This is if, if you think we <laughs> every time that Glenn and I call each other, and, hey, what's up? We immediately we could record it and it could be a podcast. This is how we banter. It's just the way we we roll. This is the way we roll at a restaurant too. <laughs> People look at us, but I found they out say you're profound and funny. Yeah, and you know what, Dan? What's, what's really making me kind of laugh right now is you're sitting here with this T-shirt with a cat on a surfboard on it. That's not a surfboard. It's surfing on a piece of pizza. <laughs> It was a gift. You know. So I guess I'm funny. In our dignified, people. sanctimonious, uh, yes, uh, Domino's, 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 order pizza, may the Broncos win. Um, okay. So, but I found out that another one of the reformers would be considered metal as well. All I right. discovered this this week, and that would be uh, Calvin. Not Calvin and Hobbes, people, but John Calvin, the great, the great reformer. Dan, uh, Dan, can you tell us a little bit about Calvin? Well, I can tell you this much. Okay. Um, I've done a lot of reading of Calvin, and I end up repeating chapters because he'll make you feel like a moron. <laughs> he was super, super intelligent. And you'll hear something that we're like, oh, yeah, the Trinity. And then we're like, oh, yeah, the that. Trinity. <laughs> and, and when he breaks it down and does things, a lot of times there's this um, disdain that people outside of Christianity would have. They think, if, oh, if you claim Christianity, you're a moron, right? right. Oh, you're, you're dumb. I, yeah, go read uh, Jonathan Edwards. Go read uh, Calvin, and you'll sit there and go like... Um, yeah, I'm going to take that back. So he's definitely a brilliant man. And I lean... And the first part of my faith, 
when I had first gotten saved, it was all about knowing Jesus, all about loving the Lord and relationship with Christ. But then gradually, I started waxing more and more legalistic. Right. Waxing, that's kind of a King James phrase. It is. But I started getting more and more and more legalistic, and I lost the joy of my salvation. And my doctrine started bending away from certain things. And I'm in the middle. I'm not going to solve any big theological question. But one thing I do appreciate about Calvin is he, he, he sits there and describes the sovereignty of God. God is big. God is sovereign. He's not scared of heavy metal. He's not scared of some human doing a tantrum with blasphemy and doing this stuff. He could just reach in and move upon that person and change their heart overnight. And that, that's our hope. So he I could. do love uh, John Calvin. Well, here's what Calvin said in the Institutes of Faith, his big, long treatise that he wrote. And this applies to heavy metal. And I don't know how it is that in Christendom we've gotten so far away from this, what, what Calvin says in this vein. He says that in regard to secular writers, he's talking about books at this time, let that admirable, admirable light of truth shining in them teach us that the mind of man, though fallen and perverted from its wholeness, is nevertheless clothed and ornamented with God's excellent gifts. Yes. So even yeah. a fallen mind is clothed with God's excellent gifts. Hmm. So that means in metal, the secular metal musicians, though many of them are not saved or born again or know the Lord as we do, their mind is still clothed with the excellent gifts of the Lord. He says, if we regard the Spirit of God as the sole fountain of truth, and that is the truth, you know, all truth comes from God, God's Spirit, we shall neither reject the truth itself nor despise wherever it shall appear. Wow. So what Calvin is saying to us is that, okay, maybe you don't like the distorted guitars, maybe... Maybe you're one of the ones that said to go out and burn every record that you own, but don't despise it because any truth that comes from it, yes, we can learn truth from metal. We can. And that's what Calvin says here. And I would like to take credit as being the guy who is really smart and found that myself and applied it to heavy metal, but oh, we know that's a that's not me. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, that is from Pastor John Van Slouten. He's from Canada. Another great thing That's from Canada. A lot of good Canadians. A lot of good eh? Canadians. I mean, we've got Devin Townsend from Canada, Rush oh, from yeah. Canada, <laughs> uh, him from Canada. And he wrote a book called The Day Metallica Came to Church. And I want that as a stocking stuffer this year. Okay. I need to, I've got so many books that I need to read. Uh, and that's one of them. So, with that being said, with what Calvin said, New Reformation. Alternative outreaches like Stacy's outreach with Revelation Resistance. The heart here is to, well, it's actually found in Isaiah 58, 12, and that's to build up the old waste places, raise up the age-old foundations, and be the repairer of the breach so that people can get over that gap so that they can be saved. Now, you and I were talking about this just a few minutes ago. And Stacy mentioned this in his podcast about uh, revelation, revolution, and revival. And that's one of the reasons why we have Stacy on, because he, he, he gets it, is that there's going to be revival. It's coming. But yep. it ain't going to look like grandma and grandpa's revival in 1912 or even a revival in the 60s. It's going to look and it's going to sound very different now. I want our listeners to hear this, is that the message is going to be the same. 
that in order to be saved, you have to be born again. You have to repent to receive grace. That is basic biblical truth, that Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. And even more than that, he rose three days later. That is the good news of the gospel. But it's not going to be, and I hear a lot of preachers talking about this, about good old-fashioned religion. Why is it, and Stacy, you can chime in, why is it that we hang on to the things of the past and miss the things of God? Why is it that we're always looking backwards and not looking forward to what God's doing? Because it's comfortable. Yeah. From my religious experience, I, I did the same thing as well. And I mean, God actually brought, you know, to my mind, it's just like, uh, you know, when Jesus was talking about when you put your hand to the plow, if you keep looking back, you're not going to be fit for the kingdom of heaven. And it's just it's just so easy to, you know, for us as humans to stereotype things and, you know, say it's just comfortable. I mean, you've eaten you know, crispy Kentucky fried chicken your whole life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, you know, why try Popeye's or, you know, you know what I mean? I, I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> I know exactly. I what think it's mean. control too. Okay. It's like, yeah. Yeah. If, if you've got the ability to kind of look back and this is the way I did it and my dad did it and my grandpa did it and you, you feel comfortable but we have to humble ourselves to go. But one of the most refreshing things that I, we've talked about, when we hear a preacher or somebody ministering and they don't have all the answers, I kind of get excited because right. it's like before when some well, here's here's what you do and they know everything. That that makes me spiritually nauseous these mm-hmm. days. I want to hear somebody that's mystified. They see the word, they break proper doctrine, but they still see the mystery that is in God. They still, he's, yep. he's all over the place all at once. He's, I mean, it's all these fantastic things. You just can't put it in your pocket. And I think when we look back, we can observe and we feel like we can dominate and control things, but going into the future, you know, we talked about earlier how old music, um, some of the music that they're like, we need to hear the old Tommy music. Not oh, this yeah, give me that old demonic time. stuff. Roll out the untuned piano and grandma with blue hair. Here we and go. A lo- hey, a lot yeah. of that was 1800s brothel music. Yes, it was. Okay, yep. And then, then yeah. they thought that that was the music of the day. And then that became mainstream. That was metal at one time it or was. whatever it was. So it's like that whole understanding, and that's definitely a pattern in Christendom. That's an interesting point that you bring up because when Handel's Messiah was first performed, you know what the church's reaction to it was? What? Blasphemy! They wanted nothing to do with it because classical singers and that whole group, they were seen as a tawdry bunch back then. And how could anything holy come from somebody so tawdry? Well, we there's a book by A.W. Tozer, and I believe it's The Pursuit of God, and I can't remember which chapter, but it talks about the secular sacred paradigm of how people would look at, oh, if you um, did something in the human, you, you played an instrument excellently or you were able to do well in business, how those things were contrary to the kingdom of God. And the way you had to prove that you were spiritual is to go around in tatters, go around not take a bath, to go around and, and be some monk that's wandering the countryside with not a penny in his pocket. And he really talks about that, that point of how to clarify. And he said that everything that Christ did was sacred. Yes. Isn't that yep. beautiful? And how yep. when he ate and drank and hugged and laughed and taught and and everything that he did was sacred. But going back to the old comfortable ways and looking back, God was really stirring in me 
uh, Matthew 9, 16 through 17. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to quote it verbatim because I don't want this to turn into a regular Sunday school class. But it's where Jesus is talking about putting the new piece of cloth on the old garment, how that just doesn't work. And how you can't put old wine or new wine into old wineskins. And that just doesn't work. So I did, again, being the theological metal nerd that I am, (laughs) here's some uh, nerdology. I looked up in Meyer's New Testament commentary. And this is what it says about these verses. It says, old forms of piety are not compatible with the new. The new piety. Yes. So grandma and grandpa's old-time religion, God bless it, it was good for that time and season, is not compatible with what God wants to do today. Within the bounds of the same message and the same glory. Absolutely world. same message. And here I am. There we go. Piece of paper. Nice. I missed the trash can in the back. There we go. No, that's good stuff. That's a great point. That's it a is. great point. And the other thing that God was stirring in me, uh, I've really been enjoying the book of Luke, of course. We're getting up on the Christmas season. But I wasn't looking at those verses. I was looking at Luke chapter 6. And one of the stories that I find absolutely hilarious, okay, is when Jesus is out plucking the ears of corn with his disciples on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees run up to him. They're like, hey, dude, don't you know it's the Sabbath? Why are you breaking the law? All right. And Jesus's response to them was, okay. Haven't you guys even read the scriptures about what David did? Oh, yeah. And I think that's part of our problem is we've gotten so into, well, this is what our rules and regulations say at the church and our institution. Okay, and church, we love church. There are churches, there's a remnant that's preaching the gospel. It's out there. I'm very fortunate and I've found one and I'm able to attend one here in South Carolina in the Charleston area. But we get so caught up in that. And one of the things that I've really seen is that God does not work in institutions. Moves he doesn't in work way. in men's regulations and rules. And those are the boxes that we try to put God well, in. There is kind of like, it seems like delusions come like right before the Lord came and died, right? And rose again. All these misinterpretations, all these political interpretations of what God was doing in the earth. And so people missed it. They were very blind to the fact of, whoa, he's coming to give himself to redeem us. They thought, oh, he's going to come and oust the Romans. We're going to get a chicken in every pot. He's going to improve the economy. And it was like, and they hated him because he didn't fit with what their gist of what was supposed to be happening. They had a different narrative in their mind. I don't think we'd recognize Jesus if we if we walked past him on the street. I don't think he looks like what we imagined him to look like. Right. Okay. First of all, Jesus was Jewish. Yep. All right. He, that was profound. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we can end the podcast now. Right Stacy, thanks for yes. being with us. Jesus was Jewish. Jewish. Okay. Shalom. Shalom. <laughs> he was. Okay, he was. Um, but I think what people are looking for is the guy who's going to come and make their life awesome. Well, people are preaching that 24-7. Exactly. My best life ever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right now, no, it better be your Which best is life kind of now. funny when Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted, okay? They're basically preaching everything that the devil offered to Jesus. Yeah, they are, really. <laughs> hey, all gospel. these kingdoms can hey, be yours. Hey, if you do this, yes. hey, the world yeah. is your oyster. Right? Stacy, here's a question for you before we get into the meat of the interview. When you were saved, when, when you first met the Lord, did your life become easier or harder? Um, It definitely pretty much took a nosedive, period. 
I was 10. Okay. And, and immediately after, you know, I got saved, my parents got divorced and yeah. So it's been, it's been a real road, man. <laughs> yeah. It's not easy. So the de- devil's been against me from the beginning, dude. Yeah. For sure. That's, that's what happens. Hmm. That's what's ha- <laughs> What was that country music song? I didn't promise you a rose garden. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. So, Stacy, we want to talk about Revelation Resistance. This is an awesome, awesome ministry that you have. Can you tell us a little bit about the vision and the mission of your ministry? You know, Revelation Resistance is something that I've been involved in a lot of churches and, you know, just different stuff throughout the years. And, uh, church I was involved with kind of fell apart and we just had a lot of crazy problems that I'm not going to get into because it's just going to take up too much time. But in the wake of that storm and stuff, God was really dealing with me on, you know, starting, you know, a ministry. And, um, at first I didn't really understand you know exactly what it was because I was still grieving over the loss of my church. Mm-hmm. But Revelation Resistance is basically about you know trying to create a place where you know people, especially anybody, is welcome. But you know it it certainly caters more to outcasts and rejects and people who have just you know had you know, crappy life or been through drugs, been through, you know, all different kinds of things and stuff like that. But I really, you know, believe that that's who God wants me to reach out to as far as, uh, you know, ministering to them and, you know, helping them and, and as well helping, you know, Christians that, you know, have been rejected from a church or something like that who have just been, you know, they're just tired of it. They're tired of organized religion. They're tired of playing the church game and all that stuff. And, trying to help them to get in tune with God, with his um, will for their life. And I don't know what that is. <laughs> God, only only God does. And God, you know, getting them to a place in our personal relationship with God to where that they can flourish and grow and be a warrior for Christ. Stacy, when you were talking about the Lord moving upon you at the age of 10, can you describe yeah. a little bit about what that was like? Was there, did you hear preaching? Was it life events? Was it something that had been kind of echoing around in your heart and your mind uh, about conviction? What what went on you in you at, at that age? At my church at that point, um, everything was going great. I was raised in a, in a, in a semi-small Baptist church out in the country. And uh, my preacher... He's a, he's a good dude, man. Old, old school, you know, screaming, yelling, all that stuff, man. But I believe the dude loved the Lord. I don't know. Everything was just on fire at that point. People were getting saved and stuff. And I asked my dad, I was like, what are these people going up and talking to the preacher about? And he was like, well, they're getting saved. And I'm like, well, you know, what's, what's that all about? And, you know, luckily with my dad explaining that stuff to me and we had a great children's church group. You know, and that's not popular even in some churches today. We had a popular or a a very good children's church group that, you know, was feeding me all these truths about Jesus and who he was and, you know, that he wanted to save us from our sins. And yes, I mean, I definitely felt, you know, the, the spirit of the Lord moving on me and calling me and stuff like that. And, you know, I talked to my dad, talked to the preacher and ultimately, you know, I had to go up go up there in front of everybody and say, you know, I wanted Jesus Christ as my Lord. 
And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much how it went down and it, it felt good. It was great. I mean, it was a great, awesome time in my life. Actually going back, I mean, at my ultimate low, <laughs> you know, the ultimate low, low, low of my life, you know, when I had really just got off out in, in left or right field, whatever you want to call it, it was the, the realization that I was like, you know, man, that was the best time of my life, you know, and I was like, I've got to get back to that, whatever, you know, it is. And I just rededicate my life to God at that point. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, it's strange, you know, I mean, I even kind of question it at points, you know, did I really get saved at 10 and different stuff like that? Because I'd walked so far away, but you know, God ultimately showed me that, yes, I gave my heart and life to, and mind to, you know, to Jesus Christ. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we got a lot more to talk about. So we're going to split this podcast up into a couple segments uh, for you. So just hold on and we'll be right back. And you can listen to part two in our interview with Stacy from Revelation Resistance. <laughs> 